So the Mariners apparently want to add at least one more bat this offseason, but how significant that bat will be remains a mystery. And if it's not necessarily a big bat, in the traditional sense of the term at least, Colby has a few names we're going to talk about coming up here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. This is Tidding Gonzalez and Colby Pandode for the Locked On Mariners podcast, brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today over at jacemedical.com and use the promo code LOCKED ON, it's L O C K D O N, to get $20 off your order. That's J A S E medical.com. Thank you so much for making us your first listen, subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. On the show today, we're going to go over some hitters the Mariners could target as they look to finalize their offense this winter. These are not necessarily going to be the most recognizable names, but they could help, and we're going to tell you all about them today. So, Colby, you've got a list of about five names, but before we get into those names, um, you know, if the Mariners only add like one more bat this offseason, is there something specific you're looking for, or is it just get the best bat possible? For the most part, it's just get the best hitter you can um, and just, you know, kind of figure it out from there. Uh, but there are some limitations to that, uh, you know, that strategy. Uh, for example, the Mariners have, you know, two guys who have difficulty getting through two thirds of a season, let alone a full season and Mitch Garver and Mitch Hanniger. And, you know, one of those guys is going to have to DH and, and in, th- in, you know, a perfect world, both of those guys would, would DH, but obviously that can't be the case. So, um, you know, you don't want to use those guys in the field too much because you'd rather have them healthy, uh, when you need them than, you know, playing at 70%, you know, for half the year. So, uh, that's where I think, you know, the best bat out there is probably Solaire, but does that make a lot of sense? No, not really. I mean, Bellinger's out there, but come on. So, um, yeah, I think for the most part, it's get the best bat you can, figure it out later. But it still has to make some sense on the out on on just like the the base level. I think ideally, what you're looking for is somebody who plays second or third uh, and is an above average hitter. Um, and you know, unfortunately, they also have to fit within your payroll constri- your payroll uh, restrictions. So, does that player even exist? I I don't know. I know there's not a lot of them. So. Uh, at some point you just have to get the bat and then you kind of figure it out. But there are some, uh, some, you know, tricky, uh, areas the Mariners have to maneuver, including having at least two guys who should be the primary DH, uh, slotted in to be, you know, in their top 10 bats. And then you also have, you know, Urias who's coming off of a, a down year due to injury. You have Rojas who, uh, flashed for you, but overall had a, a, a down year also coming off of an injury. Um, so. You know, and obviously Ty France had to down here. Like there are a lot of players here that, uh, you know, you're you're kind of 
I don't want to say hoping on, but like you're kind of expecting a bounce back to normal, uh, what is normal for them. And so you have to kind of be a little careful here, but I think all things being equal, you just get the best bat that you can, and then you figure out what to do with it after. You know, we've talked about that Rosenthal report back on what Monday where he, you know, Rosenthal said that the Mariners are looking to add an infielder. So they're not so reliant upon Luis Urias and Josh Rojas to produce. Uh, so that's immediately where I think both of our minds go to, right? When we're thinking about the next bat or the final bat that the Mariners can add. But like you mentioned, if you're looking for an everyday guy, there aren't that many players that fit what the Mariners need and can do uh, with their money right now. And also Justin Hollander last night on the, uh, on the hot stove said that like 90% of the league is also not interested in making trades for lower level prospects right now. So that also hampers, hampers your ability to go out and get that guy as well. So we've talked about the Jorge Polanco's of the world. We've talked about the Willie Adamas's. Those guys aren't going to show up on your list today. Uh, we're more so looking at that tier below those kind of guys, uh, at least in terms of the infielders for the most part, um, because that's pretty much where you have to go after that. We're talking about, you know, the the guys that are going to make five to six million dollars in free agency or, you know, a guy that does like one or two things pretty well. And you see, you know, you just bring them in and you see. So that's kind of the idea of what we're going to be talking about today, right? Uh, so who who's the first guy on your list, Colby, that you want to talk about? I don't want to talk about anybody. I want to talk about Pete. But uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about a guy that uh, you're in love with, uh, who's you know fine, but Donovan Solano uh, is a guy who. Who comes up? Uh, it's a guy who typically like doesn't sign until around this time every single winter, and he's always getting three, four million bucks. And yet, you look at the the production, and he can hit. It's really not debatable. He is a legitimately good hitter. Um, defensively, he can stand. He can be stationed at second and third, um, which you know isn't ideal. You prefer somebody who can actually handle those spots and push. Rojas and Urias, you know, to the bench, but, uh, Solano can certainly hit, uh, he's, you know, a line drive gap to gap guy, not a ton of power, uh, but he is on the older side, uh, which may, you know, actually be, uh, you know, to his advantage if you're, on, if you're, uh, Seattle, because, uh, it's not going to take a long-term deal. You're talking about a one term, a one-year deal for Solano, who is a guy who he can hit, like he can legitimately hit. He's going to hit 270, 280. He's going to get on base a good amount. And then you see what he slugs. Hopefully it's somewhere around 400. He could, you know, handle three positions um, for you, uh, you know, if you need it. And uh, it's just a, a good solid bat to have. Uh, you probably want him hitting at the bottom of your order, but that's what most of these guys are today. They're not going to be a bunch of three, four hitters. Uh, they're just not available. So Solano is, is a guy who definitely still makes some sense, particularly if you go heavy on the relief pitcher with your remaining uh, budget. Yeah, because uh, I can't imagine Solano is going to make much more than three to five million dollars somewhere in that range. Yeah, I put out an interesting poll last night on on Twitter, and I got kind of mixed reactions. And I'm and I'm and I think that's kind of the the nature of it too. It's a really interesting debate. You know, would you rather with what the Mariners have left to spend in theory, would you rather get 
a combination of Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, and um, you know Jacob Junis, for example. You know, one of those kinds of relievers. Or would you rather just get someone like Solano, who's probably going to make like three to six million dollars, and then go big on the reliever and get someone like Robert Stevenson or Jordan Hicks or what have you? So I think that's very interesting. But yeah, you dive into Solano's numbers. Dude just hits, right? Yeah, he's thirty six years old, and you know he keeps on signing these one-year deals with teams but the last five seasons he's posted a wrc plus north of 100 so he's been a league average or better hitter for the last five years uh and no one really talks about him um and he's been even at times significantly above average 116 wrc plus in 2019 125 in you know of course the shortened covid season in 2020 but still you know, 125 WRC plus 54 games, uh, 105 WRC plus in 2021, flat 100 WRC plus in 2022, and then uh, 116 WRC plus in 2023 with the Twins. Um, you know, he posts high averages. He hasn't posted a batting average below 280 in the last five years. So, dude hits 99th percentile this year in sweet spot percentage. He makes a lot of quality contact, and it's repeatable. Uh, and I don't really see that necessarily slowing down anytime soon, even though that, yeah, he is 36 years old. But that's really the only tool he brings to the table, right? Like you mentioned, he doesn't hit for power. He's not a good defender. You can station him at second or third or first, and you can live with it on you know an occasional basis. Um, but if you're looking to add some legitimate you know offensive production on the back end of your lineup, right, for not a lot of money, this is a pretty good option and i feel like it's pretty safe and of like the group of you know Ahmed rosario and whit merrifield and all those guys that are probably going to make somewhere within the same range of money on a one-year deal as one another i like solano the most so if that's the route that the mayors take i would prefer solano so we're going to talk about some more names on Colby's list in just a moment but first a reminder this episode of the locked on mayors podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. All right, sailors, the NFL regular season may be over, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You can also find bets in the new Explore tab and make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays. While the Seahawks are done, Mariners baseball is almost here, folks. So is betting on Mariners baseball. But while you wait for the boys to take the field, you can still bet on the Kraken and Huskies basketball. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, and make your first bet a layup. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-D-O-N. FanDuel, official partner. Of the National Football League. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. And we are 
breaking down some, I guess we'll call them under the radar targets for the Mariners. They're not all free agents, uh, but some bats, you know, some final bat candidates for this roster and guys that you probably aren't necessarily thinking of. We're not talking about the Jorge Solares or the Jorge Polancos or the Max Keplers on the show. Uh, we just talked about Donovan Solano, and that's someone that I really like. Colby, you really like. Uh, who's next on your list? Well, a now former teammate of Donovan Solano. How about Willie Castro of the mm. Minnesota Twins? Um, this is a fun one. He is a super utility, and I mean that in every sense of the world. Every sense of the word, he can literally play anywhere on the field, which pretty helpful uh, if you're the Mariners, yeah. right? If you have yeah. all these holes that you know might might crop up, then you kind of want somebody who can fill all those spots, and so. Enter Willie Castro, who's also a really good center fielder, a really good base runner, can play shortstop if you need him to. Uh, he also hits right-handed pitching very well, which is nice. Um, you know, there are some guys who may need a, a you know, a platoon partner on this roster. And uh, Castro is a switch hitter. He, but he hits righties really well. Um, he's a really good base runner. He's a good defender at multiple spots. He's at least average everywhere around the diamond. Can steal a bag if you need him to. Uh, he's a good player. He is a legitimately good player. He is one of the few true, you know, super utility types. Um, he's better than Dylan Moore. Uh, I would say that, although Moore certainly has more power. So not exactly the same type of player. Um, but Castro is a guy that I like. He hit again. He hits right-handed pitching very well, uh, which is useful. Uh, and uh, the only the only concern with Castro, you know, he's not going to be cheap in a trade. Uh, he is our one this year, so he's going to make about $3 million. Yeah. Uh, but he would not be easy to acquire uh, via trade. But we know that the Mariners and the Twins have talked um, to some degree about other bats. And, and you know, we do know that the Twins, by their own admission, are, are looking to cut some payroll. Now, they would rather do it by trading Polanco and, and Kepler and all that. But Castro's going to start making real money for the Minnesota twins next year. They might want to try and, uh, you know, sell high, so to speak on him this year. What would it take to get him? quite a bit? Again, it's three years of a guy who is a two and a half, three win super utility type. That's, that's going to cost you, uh, something pretty good, but I think it's worth exploring. I think he's a good fit for your roster. It's just a little hard for me to imagine that the Mariners and the twins line up on, on a deal, uh, for Castro, just based on where both these rosters are and based that both of them, you know, are, are trying to compete. They're trying to win their division next year. Uh, yeah. so, um, uh, yeah, I would say he's probably the most unlikely, uh, yeah, the most unlikely, uh, player on this list, uh, to be acquired, but, uh, he might be the best all, all around player that I have on my list today. Yeah. 257, 339, 411 this past year, 109 WRC plus worth two and a half wins he stole 33 bases you mentioned the defensive versatility very good player willie castro is a uh, very underrated player uh and because of that like you mentioned he's going to be pretty hard to uh take away from the uh, minnesota twins so probably not but definitely someone to to keep an eye on uh who's next uh yeah jesus sanchez of mm. the uh, miami marlins yep. who has a pretty obvious connection to Brant Brown. So uh, Sanchez is also a left-handed hitter who has plus bat speed and above average to plus raw power. Um, he's a good runner and he's a good defender uh, in the corner outfield spots. So kind of a well-rounded player. He's more of a platoon type, or at least that's how he's been utilized uh, early in his career. But 
this is a guy who is, you know, adds to some outfield defense, which the Mariners could probably use. Uh, they're, they're great in center field. They're okay. In one of the corners and the other corner, close your eyes and pray. Um, but Sanchez is a legitimately good defender out there. Uh, really strong arm as well. Uh, he's kind of, he's a tool up guy who, who is like started to put it together, like started to become, become a good baseball player. Um, overall, the, there's some, you know, swing and miss here, but not a ton, uh, to be worried about it. it you're paying for a left-handed like thunder out of the bat. It is a lightning quick bat with plus raw power, uh, above average in-game power. And there's a chance that you might get him right before he's ready to explode into an everyday player instead of more of a platoon type. Uh, there's 25 home run power in this bat. Uh, there is, you know, again, there's good, he's good speed. He's a good base runner uh, and he can flat out, you know, play the outfield. So mm-hmm. uh, Sanchez is a guy I like a lot. Um, he's probably more available than Castro, but again, wouldn't be cheap uh, to acquire. And so you may just want to roll with, with, Dom can zone, but I tell you what, if Sanchez is hitting like six or seven for me, which is where he would hit in this lineup, uh, and he's playing, you know, right field, I feel really good about the yeah. Mariners outfield. And I think that's a, a really good bat to to target. And then obviously, you know, you have some information on him already, uh, with Brent Brown joining your staff and and mm-hmm. you know, he understands the hitter, he understands how to work with him. And so I think he might be able to get even a little bit more out of Sanchez. So Sanchez is is super intriguing to me. Yeah, and we have seen the Mariners show interest and even acquire someone that has a history with uh, Brant Brown. You know, we know that they've had interest in guys like Jorge Soler. They brought in Luke Rayleigh, who was with Brown in L.A. a few years back. Uh, So obviously, you know, someone like Sanchez could make sense just from that perspective alone. So definitely someone to keep an eye on there. We've got a couple more names to go over in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Lockdown Mariners podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. So I know we look to sports to escape from some of the, you know, the crazy realities of real life. But can we talk just for a minute about actually preparing for real life? I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than, you know, for example, if a loved one of mine got sick while a supply chain issue was all that was keeping them from the life-saving medication they needed. But thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including stuff like you know UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and many others. And this stuff could happen to any of us. That's just the reality of it. So visit jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular costs. It has never been more important to be prepared than it is today. So go to jacemedical.com. Again, that is J-A-S-E medical.com, and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get $20 off your order. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen as we're talking about some under-the-radar bats as the Mariners look to finalize their offense for this winter. Uh, Colby, we've talked about Jesus Sanchez. We've talked about Donovan Solano. We've talked about Willie Castro. Who's next on your list? Uh, yeah, so uh, let's let's go back to the infield here. Uh, how about Andy Ibanez? 
uh, of the Detroit Tigers, formerly of the uh, Texas Rangers. Um, it's a similar idea to Solano uh, in that he is a guy who, uh, you know, can has proven to be a pretty decent hitter throughout his career. He really does crush lefties, though. Um, but he's not awful against righties. You can certainly use him against righties if you need to. Um, but he is a you know a lefty crusher. That is kind of his role. But he's also a pretty darn good defender at second base. He could play third base if you need him to. Um, he played multiple positions. He played a little outfield as well. So um, you know he's a good defender, crushes lefties, usable against righties. Uh, it's basically the same idea as as you know Donovan Solano. Uh, Ibanez, if you can get him to be average against righties, which he's, he's pretty close to right now, um, then he could very well be an everyday player. Uh, and he would be a defensive upgrade to Josh Rojas. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of like adding another platoon to to Rojas, which, you know, you kind of already have Dylan Moore there, so maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense. But uh, Andy Abanez is a guy who comes in, he fills a very specific role, and there's still upside there for him to be a legitimate everyday second baseman, kind of in the in the uh, idea of, of Jonathan Scope. Uh, kind of yep. in that mold. So, yep. uh, Andy is interesting again. Detroit fringe playoff team coming into this year, they don't have a lot of bats that they really like uh, in their lineup. So, they might look at Ibanez and say, We we don't want to trade him for you know prospects when we need hitters in our lineup. And even though Ibanez yep. isn't a plus hitter by any stretch, he's pretty good. And, and there's a chance that he's a breakout candidate. So, I, I really do think there's some Jonathan scope, uh, in, in this profile still. And so for that reason, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested in Ibanez. I think he'd be a fun ad. Um, especially again, if you go out and you, and you kind of go high end on your pitching edition, I think Ibanez is a good follow up to that. Yeah. This year for Ibanez, 264, 312, 433. That's a 103 WRC plus. He was worth 1.6 wins by fan standards, 11 home runs, 41 ribs, only struck out 18% of the time, walked 6.3% of the time. And 114 games. He was someone that I actually identified as a possibility for them at the trade deadline. Um, I think he still makes some sense uh, as well for this roster. All right. So I believe you have one final name on your list, Colby. Who is that? Yeah, uh, probably the most most interesting name. Uh, certainly uh, a lot to to you know break down in terms of the idea, but you could go back to the San Francisco giants and see if perhaps they're interested in trading new JD Davis, uh, who is got one year of club control left. Uh, he's kind of Ty France only mm-hmm. he plays third base. And as of last year, he plays it very well. Uh, he was yeah. a plus plus defender at third base this year after being bad really uh, throughout his entire career. So you know, we know one year sample sizes and defensive metrics, they're not worth a ton. They're kind of hard to read. So that could go either way, but this is where you have to trust your, uh, your eyes and in your scouts eyes and, and your, uh, you have to trust your team to say, is this a fluke or is, is there a change that was made to make JD Davis a legitimately good third baseman? Um, you know, plus exit velos, which we know that, uh, Seattle likes, uh, pretty good track record overall of just being a solid, uh, bat and again the the defensive improvement is significant he his power is about average in terms of game power uh so you might it, it's not a super obvious upgrade there, there's a good chance that urias is just better than jd davis but i think when you look at davis he could play first he could play third uh he's you know right-handed pull power he's a guy who traditionally has put up pretty solid numbers 
Um, over the last couple of years, he's developed a tiny bit of a strikeout uh, issue, uh, which really ballooned in 2021 and 2022, 2023. It was still high, but you know, it, it went down over where it was the previous year. So strikeouts are a bit of a concern still. Um, but overall, this is a guy who's, he does to be fair, make up for that with the walks, like yes, 11.4% walk rate in 2021, Mm -hmm. 10.7% in 2022, nine and a half this year. So still walks a bit. Um, also I'm noticing here, like, yeah, it is definitely pull power, but he has quite a few opposite field home runs Mm -hmm. on his spray chart. Right. Uh, so it is, it is above average, uh, raw power, uh, getting yep. to it in the games. Like, is he going to be a 30 home run guy? Probably not. Uh, but again, you get him for one year. It is, I think he's making about six and a half million dollars this year. So he's kind of in between the really cheap options and, and the, the higher end, like, um, you know, the higher end guys that we could talk about, like Max Kepler. Um, so he's kind of right in the middle of that, but, I like the bat. I think it's. A, I think he's a pretty good hitter. I think his even his down years, he's going to be a 103, 104 WRC plus type of guy. Um, I think that there's you know pretty good power here, and I think he gives you insurance at two positions. He gives you insurance at first base. He gives you insurance uh, at third base. Uh, obviously, he could DH some as well. So I, I like JD Davis. I like that idea. Um, you know there are there are concerns, but I feel pretty comfortable with Davis that he's going to hit. 250 340 and then the slug is kind of the determining factor if he's an everyday player if he's just a a really solid role player Mm -hmm. so this year 248 325 413 that's 104 wrc plus for davis Mm -hmm. 2.2 wins uh, by fan graphs 27.8 percent k rate nine and a half percent walk rate like i mentioned 18 home runs 69 rbi nice and 144 games um so really interested um, in, in Davis and and was very surprised. I didn't know about the plus six outs above average that he posted this past year. I had no clue about that until last night, until you told me about mm-hmm. that. Um, so maybe there's been a change there that he's made defensively that has helped him. Um, I don't know what that would be, but if that's something that he can sustain, then J.D. Davis is a hell of a ball player. Um, but like you mentioned with defensive metrics, especially if it's a one-year sample size and the rest of the samples are telling you, no, he's really bad, uh, then right. it's hard to buy into that. I'll just say that. I mean, but not un- not unheard of. Not Literally unheard of. Gino Suarez, so... Not unheard of. Um, I mean, I don't although, know if Gino, Gino was wasn't never quite like... Quite as bad as J.D. Yeah, Davis, yeah. But I'm pretty sure still, J.D. Davis I mean, has like, like a negative eight outs above average year or something sure. like that. But obviously, you know, last year, Gino went from like fringe average to like elite. Yeah. And so like yeah. that type of leap is not unheard of. It's just highly unusual. Um, I would say that you guys may have noticed that we did not uh, put Jonathan India on our list. And that's not just because we've talked about him some. Yeah. It's because Jonathan India isn't better than Josh Rojas. He's not better than Urias, I don't think. Like, I, yeah. like yeah. if you're telling me like I have to pick one to be my starting third baseman, I'm picking Urias. Who do I feel better about putting up a 110 WRC plus? The answer ain't Jonathan Indy, I'll tell you that much. So, uh, oh. yeah, you'll you'll also notice that uh, none of those players are, like, definitely better than Rojas. I mean, maybe Castro, but, like, none of those guys are like, oh, my God, that is such an upgrade over what we have. And 
there's a reason for that also because there's just not a lot of but, options in general. Yeah. So again, this is about guys who are essentially you, you're just putting in the mix, right? It's an mm-hmm. insurance policy. Essentially, if like one guy doesn't pan out, maybe this guy will, you know, if this guy doesn't hit, maybe this guy will hit. It's one of those things, right? It's not, again, it's not the Jorge Polanco idea. It's not Willie Adamas. It's not any of those guys, right? So no. And you pretty much just named the only two guys that are actually available. We think maybe Brandon Lau, maybe Brandon Lau, maybe Glaber Torres. Yeah. Maybe Glaber. Mm like maybe, maybe Jeff McNeil, but can he play? <laughs> like, yeah. Can he even throw? I don't yeah. know. Maybe, uh, Luis Rengifo, but yeah. there's the whole angels thing there. Like yeah. there's a lot of maybes. Uh, so with the guys who we know are almost certainly, um, better than, than Rojas and, and, uh, Urias who are, you know, we, we feel really confident they're going to post better numbers than those guys. And we feel they're, our confident uh, and we feel confident that they're going to get traded at some point. Right. There's like one or two of those guys at most. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of guys who are like similar ish to those two, but they're making more money, right. which we know, unfortunately is part of the well, equation we have to consider. Well, and there's also like who's going to require Brian Wu or Bryce Miller to trade, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, as I mean, shoot, even the, the twins could just be like, yeah, we want Brian Wu for Jorge Polanco. And at that point I'm going, no, thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, at that point you're probably just going and signing Whit Merrifield, even though he's nowhere near as good, um, because yeah. you'd rather have Brian Wu and Whit Merrifield than Jorge Polanco. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I gave you a bunch of trade options. These are guys that I think actually could be had for prospects. Um, Castro might be a little bit different. Like Castro might, they might ask for Brian Wu for Castro. And I wouldn't do it, but it's not a ridiculous ask. So, um, yeah, you just, you know, if you guys were hoping for more exciting names, like, cool. Who are they? Yeah. Like you tell me, who are they? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm here to tell you, there's not a lot of them left right now. There weren't that many to begin with. And in a market that is apparently not really interested in doing traditional prospect for major leaguer tra- trades, as you know, Justin Hollander claims last night, um, it's really hard to find these guys. So, uh, you know, of course, you would, you should like, you should want to do better than Donovan Solano and, and JD Davis and, you know, yeah. Uh, not that it's a shot at those guys, but you should want to do better than that. But again, who are they? Like, who's the better option? Yeah. Find yeah. them for me. Find me the better option who we know for a fact is available, uh, who isn't going to cost Miller or Wu and fits in the Mariners budget without completely blowing it all on one player. Right. Go find that guy. Right. Let me know who it is because yeah. I, I couldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really difficult to uh, crack the code here on what the Mariners are eventually going to do and who's going to fit that bill. All right, so we'll see. We'll see what they do, but there are tons of different ways that they could attack this. And again, we don't really have any sort of clarification in terms of what the significance of this final bat that they're apparently looking to add is, or this infield bat specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, because again, it could be Polanco, it could be Adamas, or it could be Rosario, Merrifield, yeah. et cetera. Anderson, 
Anderson Urshela, like yeah. yeah, somebody who's not nobody's going to be super pumped about. That's probably who it's going to be. Yeah, uh, one other. I'll throw you a six name real fast. Nick Madrigal, eh. yeah, yeah. Like puts the ball in play, high average, pretty good defender, no power, none, yeah, zip, yeah, none. not going to steal bases. So, eh. yeah, yeah, those are the type of guys you're looking at. Like one or two tool, uh, one or two tool guys. That's pretty much what you're hoping and praying for. Or it's Sanchez, who's got like five tools, but hasn't quite put them all together in one season. Like yeah. those are your options. So real quick, before we get out of here. We're typically not supposed to do this or, you know, we're supposed to stay on on task here with the Mariners and talk about the Mariners. But today is a pretty notable day in Seattle sports in general. And so I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, I think it would be weird to do the show and not even at least acknowledge the fact that Pete Carroll is no longer the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, And I just wanted to say, you know, even though like Pete's obviously not going to watch this or whatever, I just I still want to say it that Pete Carroll is an absolute legend. Um, I am so grateful for the 14 years that he was the Seahawks head coach for bringing the first championship that I think a lot of us experienced in Seattle sports and our Seattle sports fandom. Um, and it's a it's a sad day, <laughs> quite frankly. It's a it's a really sad day. Um, Hopefully that, you know, leads to uh, something good in the end for the Seahawks. But uh, nonetheless, it's it's hard not to uh, to think about that and hard not to be sad about that. Anything you want to say about Pete real quick before we get, get out of here? Yeah, you know, just that uh, it's it's a sad day for me. Uh, personally, I, uh, I started coaching baseball uh, in 2010, like the the. The summer of 2010, which was a couple months after Pete Carroll was hired. And as a young coach searching for identity, I, hey, let's see what Pete Carroll has to say. And I read his books and, and his philosophy. And it was uh, it was eye-opening to see somebody who, you know, was willing to buck the trend of, of what a traditional football coach was, where it's rugged and tough. And, you know, I'm a disciplinarian and you will respect me and blah, blah, blah. And Pete you know, was a player coach who everybody thought was a joke. And, and, you know, 14 years later, he proved not only is he, um, not only wasn't he a joke that he was in fact, one of the best head coaches in the history of the sport of football. Uh, so, you know, for, for everything he did, uh, for me personally, um, even though he never met me, uh, you know, just for how he shaped my, my opinion on, on coaching young athletes and, and all that. And for obviously winning the Super Bowl and, you know, always taking the taking the the strays uh, for things that didn't go well. He was always front and center. Blame me, blame me. He took the he took the the blame for Richard Sherman, and he took a lot of heat for Russell Wilson. He took the heat for the you know the Super Bowl interception and the play call and all that stuff. Uh, he was always there, and he always he always took the blame um, for his guys, even when it's his guys who needed to take the blame. He was a, a mentor, uh, a father figure to some. Um, just a really genuine dude, weird at times. Sure. Um, you know, did some questionable things. Sure. But, uh, just as genuine of a dude as you can find in in his profession. And, uh, I, I'm going to miss him. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be weird. Uh, Pete Carroll, here's your Mariners connection. He raised the bar for what is acceptable for our Seattle sports teams in the city. No longer is it just good enough to be quirky and like, Oh, well, you know, that's just part of being a fan. No. No, you can win in the city. You can win big in the city. And, you know, Pete Carroll kind of reinforced that idea that Seattle as a professional sports city is a great freaking city and we deserve championships. 
and Pete Carroll brought us one. So, uh, you know, for that, I'm, I'm always going to be grateful for Pete and, um, I'm going to miss him. It, it's a, it's a rough day. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I, I know this day was coming eventually. Yeah. Uh, didn't think it was going to be today though. Didn't think it was going to be today and it still didn't make it any easier. So, yeah. um, you know, when you, when you find out via Adam Schefter tweet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough day so um again yeah. you know thanks pete for everything and, and thank you for instilling uh pride back in in the city of seattle at a time yeah. where not too you know the seahawks were a joke the the mariners were a joke the sonics had just been stolen the huskies were coming off an 0 and 12 blah 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 and and pete uh you know pete really resurrected uh this the city of seattle as a truly great yeah. sports town and for that um, I always be grateful and, and, you know, I, I wish him nothing but happiness, uh, in, and the best of luck wherever, whatever his new role is, uh, with the Seahawks. So, uh, yeah. sad day. Yeah. Like you said, Pete's the epitome of leadership and he is the epitome of competition. So really appreciate everything that, uh, Pete Carroll did in his tenure as Seahawks head coach, um, what he's done for the sports scene in seattle and just the city of seattle in general so forever grateful to pete carroll so that is going to do it for our show thank you so much for joining us here on the locked on mirrors podcast colby patnode i'm tiding gonzalez be sure to give us a follow on twitter at lo underscore mariners you can follow me at ty dane gonzalez and colby at cpat 11 that's cpat 11 you can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode thank you again for making us your first listen have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you next time peace Always compete. Always compete.